the Askell Business Brunch. Hello and welcome to Askell's Business Brunch podcast. My name's Hayley Dunn and I'm Askell's Business Leadership Specialist. And Louise Hatswell, I'm Askell's Conditions of Employment Specialist. And I'm Julia Harden, I'm Askell's Funding Specialist. And we had a real treat earlier this month. The three of us were actually together with um, all of our colleagues from the policy team at Askell's Annual Conference 2023, which if you've been, you'll know just what an amazing, overwhelming, exhausting, inspiring event that it is. Um, And I was just absolutely blown away. I have to say for me, listening to Baroness Sue Campbell, who's the uh, director of women's football after the success of the Lionesses was just an incredible experience and just felt completely blown away um, by what she had to say, what she has to say about how the team works, the dynamics, um, and also what the sort of the plans are for the future to keep that momentum up as well and to encourage girls and women into sports, but particularly into football. How about you guys? What did what did you find, Louise? What did you find inspiring? Uh, firstly, just to be back at conference was fantastic. I didn't go last year due to other work commitments. Uh, so to be back in person was was amazing. And I think actually the best one that I've been to, it was just so inspiring. Uh, and just so many people there. It was great to catch up with people. But I have to say, Baroness Sue Campbell was the highlight for me as well. I think, you know, when she's talked about those two teammates that just came to her with that idea on the bus that they don't want to didn't want that to be the end of it. And then what they've done to get that to come to fruition for their sport for girls in schools, you know, and for that funding that's been put there is just, just shows them to what somebody can do just with an idea and go and talk to the boss about it and, uh, and see that through. But I have to say really choked up at the video she showed from, uh, you know, and the girls and the commitment and dedication, I think was just amazing. So yeah, it was, it was wonderful, but also to catch up with so many school business leaders that were there as well, which was, was fab- fabulous. How about for you, Julia? Well, as you say, Hayley, it was a treat for us to be working together, but also to see so many people. And and there was a really good, a really good atmosphere, a really good vibe, I think is the word I used when I was there, just uh, talking to, to members um, and talking to exhibitors um, and, you know, people that were running panel sessions. And I, I was just, it was, it was really, it was really great. Um, and obviously, I completely agree with you about um Sue Campbell, brilliant. But I'm going to I'm going to pick a couple of like slightly uh, unusual. These were my best bits. But um, one of the exhibitors, I was so pleased to see there, Bike Back 2030, who are a school food campaigning group that Askell work with um, a fair bit, as well as lots of other organisations on on school food. But I was so pleased to see them there, and their stand was really busy because lots of organisations have been doing a lot of campaigning around school food. Um, and yet we we feel that the pace of change is, is just far too slow. Um, and what worries me is that there may be a feeling that, you know, in schools, we are not as aware of the importance of school food, both the nutrition and the provision to make sure everyone gets a good meal. And and that's just not the case. So I, I'm really, there's a real, real plug really for organisations like Bike Back 2030. And sort of following on from that, I think my other highlight was the Empowering Young People panel. Um, again, there is a link actually, because um, Yumna Hussain is a youth leader for Bike Back 2030. But I, I just thought, and, and Phoebe Hansen was, Phoebe Al Hansen was on that panel as well. Um, 
I think it, it, they were just inspiring just to listen to. And I and I just came away from that feeling um, terribly optimistic, which is great because quite often you don't, do you? Especially in the you know, current cost of living crisis and all the rest of it. I just felt incredibly optimistic. And if young people can be optimistic like that, I think we absolutely have a right to get behind them. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I've heard um, Phoebe L. Hansen speak um, about sustainability and climate change, and she's so passionate as a young um, activist, but she does it in such a thoughtful way. It's it's not uh, somebody sort of screaming and shouting. It's very, very well thought through. Their points, they are absolutely incredible as young people speaking. And I heard quite a few business leaders say, actually, that that was one of the highlights for them was was listening to those young people and some of the the the, the changes that they're trying to, to drive through for the organisations that they, they represent. So like you say, really great to have that represented at annual conference. So we we came back from conference and then we were straight into a period where we were having announcements about the spring budget. So, Julia, over to you in terms of what are your reflections about Jeremy Hunt's budget? Was there was there any positive news in there for schools and trusts and colleges? I'll I'll choose to interpret your questions to I will talk about my reflections from a school funding perspective only. so the, the major one from uh, from a, a funding perspective was um, the expansion of early education entitlement. Um, the policy document refers to it as early education entitlement, but I have to say I think that a, a lot a lot of the way that the that the um, entitlement has it is going to change is more really to stimulate growth in the economy and, and the workforce. Um, and and I, I think we need to talk more about early education, um, at, you know, at least alongside childcare, because I think that, the, you know, the two are absolutely inextricably linked. So um, there are changes that are going to be phased in, but essentially there's an expansion um, of the early education entitlement so that by um, April, sorry, September 2025, uh, parents of children from nine months up to three to four years will be entitled to 30 hours of free childcare. That will be the entitlement. The first change will be brought in um, in April 2024 when working parents of two-year-olds will be entitled to 15 hours of free childcare. So obviously that is a positive. I think there are one or two risks associated with that that I that we need we need to be mindful of and we need to watch how this one plays out. And obviously this is not going to be impactful from a funding perspective for quite a lot of our members. It will probably um, impact more directly because they are those working parents, of course. Um, but if you're running a nursery, then then this this will be something that, that you'll be wanting to um wanting to look at. Um and the, the risks, I think, are around will providers ha be able to create the capacity to provide those additional places? Um, and that that sort of pivots on two things, I think. One is, will the funding that goes alongside to support this be adequate? There was an announcement in the budget that said that the place funding was going to be uplifted, but we haven't seen the detail of that yet. So we don't quite know what that's going to look like. Um, but obviously it needs to be adequate and cover the at costs of delivering um, that those hours of childcare. Because we know sort of anecdotally that at the moment paid places tend to subsidise the entitlement places. So that has got to stop if this is going to work. And the other risk, I think, is that 
where there is extra capacity, in the first case, perhaps some of that or most of that will be taken up by currently paying clients, parents. So we need to make sure, we need to watch that play out as well, because otherwise it's not going to have its desired intent, is it, to um, increase capacity for um, free childcare and grow the workforce. So one or two things, I think, to look at. Not about funding, but something that was announced at the same time was a change in the ratios, which we were disappointed to see. I won't get into the bones of that because it's not it's not my area, but I know colleagues were very disappointed at that. And I think we thought the government had thought about that and decided not to pursue it. So the change from September 2023 will be um, that the ratio of uh, for two-year-olds is one adult to five two-year-olds. Um, currently, it's one adult to four two-year-olds. But it's optional. It, it doesn't have to happen. So that I think was was the main um, reflection on what is going to be brought in. I'd also can I just touch on a missed opportunity as well. Back to me, back to school meals. Actually, um, there was a lot of campaigning to expand the current um, free school meal criteria so um, that all children from on. Uh, from families on a universal credit would be entitled to a free school meal. Um, at the moment, um, household income has to be below £7,400, which means you've got to be extremely poor, really, to, to benefit from this. So the, there was lots of campaigning beforehand, a real missed opportunity not to have done something about that um, in the budget, I think. I think there's all sorts of stats which are, are quite uh, really worrying, I think. The Child Poverty Action Group say that there's 800,000 children in poverty that are not eligible for free school meals. Um, and I think there's some statistics about the universal credit um, implication, which says there's probably 1.7 million children that are not currently eligible for free school meal, but would be if there was an expansion. That's, just sta that's staggering, credit. Julia. These figures are just absolutely staggering. It is. It is staggering. And and if you think about, you know, I think every, a, a lot of, uh, an awful lot of organisations would be happy to agree around a sort of principle for funding education that says that it will be fair when children have access to what they need to succeed. And I would say that access to a nutritional meal is included in that. It, it It's, you know, that, that's very much part of it. So anyway... So yeah, so that's that's the missed opportunity. So yes, not not a hugely positive experience um, on the fifteenth of March this year, I'm afraid. And I think I think we know from our from our colleague Jacques, who's the pension specialist as well. He's getting an awful lot of calls at the moment with with people concerned. So there has been information that we've put out via the main newsletter to sort of help members in that sort of space. But just thinking about how this is impacting on business leaders, particularly in their day to day role at the moment, Julia, when they're they're working on their budget prep. Is this sort of been um, some of this reflected in the budget assumptions information paper? And just wondering, I know that paper is super popular. Are there sort of some general frequently asked questions that you're getting on the back of that? Uh, yes, there are some generally some frequently asked questions. Um, I mean, not so much direct to the, to the budget on the 15th of March because there, there wasn't enough meat for us to actually to get to uh to, to make useful comments certainly not for budget planning but uh, it is worth if if uh if we've got time for me just to to spend a minute talking about frequently asked questions and and what we are suggesting um start with the usual caveat Th this paper is only intended to be the starting point for your conversations um it is not intended to tell you what to do 
There is a huge amount of uncertainty out there at the moment. Um, and I think as business leaders, we are having to negotiate on a level that we we haven't seen in the past. We're very good at managing budgets and planning budgets, but I think the level of risk that we are being exposed to in terms of managing energy markets and supply chain issues and that sort of thing is on another level. So, um, you know, my second reminder is you can't make these assumptions or do this budget planning on your own. It's got to be a, a sort of collegiate um, approach scenario plan is 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 the answer really so make do you know a best worst and most likely scenario to to share the trust board level or governing board level um and and you know to, to cover the uncertainty that way people ask about school cost technical notes um because we tend to refer to that a lot the school cost technical note is a document that dfe produce every year and it explains how they um decide on um what what they think school costs are going to do in future year in the next 12 months etc and what they um, think the average income that schools are going to benefit from remember these are national averages so we know that your actual frontline experience will be quite different from that and that's a conversation we're having but you must use your uh, likely um, frontline experience and the la and lastly when you're looking at planning year two of your three-year budget forecast, I'm having lots of conversations about this at the minute. How exactly do we interpret what we know? First thing is we know very little. We know that the school, the core schools budget is going to increase by one and a half billion in 24-25. That's around about two and a half percent. We know that the main schools, the mainstream schools additional grant is going to be rolled into your GAG or your individual schools budget. You might want to lump those all together and work out what an uplift of two and a half percent per pupil looks like or you might want to uplift your gag or individual schools budget by two and a half percent and stick the msag mainstream schools additional grant alongside that again until we see exactly how that's going to be rolled in there isn't a right answer um they're they're the scenarios that i think i would look at um and i know from speaking with colleagues that they're sort of the 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 way that people are interpreting the information that we're providing i think business leaders will find that so so helpful julia it's it's such a tricky thing to do but like you say that scenario planning is definitely the answer if mm -hmm. there's any business leaders that are thinking um that they'd like to come along to any of the courses that you're running when's when's the next one that you're doing uh so 20th of april um we're running a course in Leicester and it's called Understanding um, and Using the Critical Numbers. Um, so it's looking at, you know, it's a safe space actually to ask questions about how do I work out my income? How do I work out my expenditure patterns? What does it, what, what are the questions I've got to ask when I'm working with the curriculum planner and the curriculum leads, that sort of thing. But um, particular reflection on where we are now um, and looking forward for the next two to three years so it is really relevant. That's fantastic. So Louise I know you've been super busy this month it always is at this time of year so uh, do you want to tell our listeners what you've been working on and what you've been saying about business leaders pay? Yeah so um, the big job that I've been working on recently as usual this, this time of year is the uh, evidence submission to the school teachers review body the STRB uh, and why that will be of interest to business leaders, particularly this year, is that we've included a call for business leaders to be included in the recommendations made by the STRB. 
And just to explain a bit of the history and the background behind this, uh, we have been calling for this for a significant number of years um, until we were instructed by the STRB not to do so because they it fell out of their uh, remit. So we did make the call for a number of years uh, for the STRB to include business leaders and they were quite clear about that and actually instructed us to no longer make that call. Uh, there's a new chair of the STRB uh, committee at the moment. It started last year and we just think that you know, the landscape has changed significantly since that we were instructed not to do that. And one of the recommendations in the STRB's report last year was to provide support for the broader sector, including the academy sector. So we just think, you know, it's really important that the document, the school, the school teachers paying conditions document, which we refer to as the document, that remains re relevant to the whole sector but also to all school leadership roles. So, you know, we, we, we would really like to see school business leaders recognised in there. It's really important that they get the same recognition and, and remuneration uh, for those really important high level uh, accountability and responsibility uh, school leadership roles uh, in the same way as their colleagues on the school uh, senior leadership teams. Once another thing as well that was included in their recommendations last year was to look at the career pathways and the pay framework and whether that's fit for purpose for the uh, teachers and school leaders. So we've also included a section in there on school business leaders because clearly their career pathways and uh, addressed by the school teachers paying conditions uh, document. Uh, and we've just highlighted some of the issues there um, that, you know, that as I'm sure probably all of us have benefited on this call have benefited from uh, funded qualifications and professional development previously uh, back in the early 2000s and mid 2000s about um, on the CSBM, DSBM, things like that. There's very little of that available now, but you've got the MPQs. There are a couple of those that would be relevant to business leaders, but they've got to be for people from teaching backgrounds. So, you know, it's just that way that almost automatically business leaders are overlooked when leadership uh, opportunities, pay, development and things like that are looked at by the government. It's not, it's automatically excludes and just overlooks business leaders. Presumably some of it's not intentional, we would hope, but, you know, it's trying to make that case that when the government are talking about senior leaders, that actually includes school business leaders. You know, we see in the Academy Trust Handbook how important that role is, you know, and it's recognised there, but there's not really any um, joined up thinking in that. So we'd really like to see that brought into there um, so it remains relevant and that those school business leaders get that recognition and the remuneration that they um, that they deserve. There's just so much fragmentation with how it's dealt with in different local authorities. It's one of the biggest issues that we see from our uh, members, the very different variance in pay. Um, and it's really, really unfair. One of the thing, points we've made is we've seen, particularly since the onset of the pandemic, um, you know, our business leaders have got some fantastic transferable skills and they are using them to transfer to other sectors where they're offering much better pay conditions, flexible working opportunities. You know, it's a much more appealing uh, picture outside the sector at times. So we really need to do something to keep hold of those business leaders. So that's the next recruitment and retention crisis is, is looming and that will be around business leaders. And we just cannot afford to lose those, uh, you know, those practitioners from the profession. So if business leaders want to look at what we said, it's quite a lengthy document, but you can hyperlink to the school business leader sections and that's available for everybody to see on our website.
Brilliant. Thanks, Louise. And just to I just add on to that, just a shout out for our um, Askell's Business Leaders Support Hub as well, where we put all the information to do with business leaders, pay and conditions, signposting the latest information. So if you also want an update on some of the discussions around things like the um, NJC discussions, all of that you'll find on the Business Leaders Support Hub. So I thought I'd give a little update myself as well. So you may have seen that the Department for Education has published a new document. It's the Academy's Regulatory and Commissioning Review. And we've been expecting this for quite a while and it's been delayed. So it's good to see that this document is actually out there now in the public uh, domain. And if, if you do read the document, you'll see that ASCOL has been one of the stakeholders that have been engaged as part of the process. And what I thought I'd do is just highlight a couple of elements that I thought were relevant for business leaders to, to be, be aware of if you don't have time to, to read that large document. So one of the areas uh, that the review highlights is that they found that the current regulatory approach is broadly providing the right safeguards, checks and balances against the most significant harms in the school system. And it lists those as being the abuse of children, financial fraud and large scale trust failure. But what they also say that they've heard is that there are areas of regulation that are no longer required and where a simpler, more proportionate approach could reduce some of the administrative burdens, particularly in the academic sector. So there's two elements that I think would be really useful to be aware of, and that's that they're looking at simplifying the requirements of the Academy Trust Handbook, which will impact on the Academy Trust Handbook 2023, and also a Chief Financial Officer Mentoring Programme for summer 2023 which you may know about that the ISBL have been running a, a, a trial programme. So this just seems to be an extension of that, but it may come in a different format. So some really useful information there for you to be aware of for your future planning. So we hope you find that useful. I hope that's a good roundup of all the areas that we've been focusing on this month and we'll be back soon. Thanks for joining us. The Askell Business Brunch.